Sign up for our newsletter so you can get the latest and the greatest. Check out our gear that we've got for sale. Check out the Team Never Quit gear we've got on the TeamNeverQuit.com site. Check out the ammunition we sell. Check out, Also check out the incredible speakers we have at our speakers bureaus. Because what our mission is and what, what Marcus's original v- vision was that we would pull together a group of human beings that could help you discover the never quit mindset in yourself. I mean, those speakers are the most extreme stories we've heard. Hands down, That's right? why they're on that team. Hands down. I mean, it's Absolutely. kind of one of them deals to, to, to get selected to be on that team. You got you to gotta have, you got to know where it comes from. And, and so that's what we do. But what, what Marcus and I said is, how do we reach more people? How do we get out there beyond just Marcus and I speaking to the, to the companies and teams and events we speak to or to the books that we write? How do we go beyond that? And what is the best way is to reach you here in this podcast so we can connect you with the greatest stories you've ever heard, the greatest stories in order to ignite the legend inside you. And that's what we do. And that's our mission here. So if you've listened to the story, you know, we always like to start it out with something unique, whether it's a historical moment story or it's a a interesting bit that we like to call what you're going to do or just read an incredible never quit story that our our listeners send into. And if you've got a great never quit story, please send it in on our share a story section because we want to hear them. And if they're amazing and they really touch us, either one of us or the people that read them with us, you know, we'll read it on the air. And if it's super good, what's going to happen, Marcus? Well, I'll bring you on board. You're coming on. You're going to be on the show. We'll interview you on the show for, for the Team Never Quit podcast. But today, because we've got really an amazing guest, a, a, one of the most brilliant guys who've created a whole other, a whole unique field of psychology, before we get into it with him, we're going to have a little fun. So we're going to do the what you going to do phase, right? That's what we're going to do is the what you going to do. Now, now our, our executive producer, we call him the wizard, right? Uh, he writes these amazing things we've never heard before. We've never read before. We've never even thought about them before. And he gives them. And so the first one we did, you know, I read it to Marcus. Marcus solved it in about 30 seconds. So what we're going to do is we're going to take, we're going to tandem this now. And it's going to be what Marcus and I would do as we read the story. So Marcus. Team. It's a team effort. All right, yeah. go ahead. All right, down from the wizard. Here is our, uh, our mission if we choose to accept it. <laughs> Start like that. All right. An alien technology, an alien technology of incredible power has just paralyzed the minds of everyone within the District of Columbia. Well, that, that's already happened. Hi. <laughs> ah. He stole this. He, he this come on the front page of the paper. What's going on? That's what this is, right? Ah. Locking them into a vegetative state and grinding the U.S. government to a halt. For some reason, everyone has decided that this is a bad thing and has called upon you all to negotiate with the alien force. In the one communication that has been received, you learn the following information. All right, these are our... These are our, our, our parameters. Parameters, yeah, mission parameters. Uh, they believe they are acting in the best interest of all citizens of the United States. Therefore, negotiations will be nuanced. The, the leader, come to find out, is a big fan of country music. They want a human subject to study, which will return to them to their home planet. It's their custom to initiate an intergalactic talk with demonstrations of incredible physical skill which sets the tone for the negotiations. In addition to yourself, U.S. Ambassador to the Galaxy, select three others to complete your team in order to save Washington, D.C. What are we going to do? Oh, right. So we get, to, we get to pick some people. We get, to, we get to recruit some people on our team. So who are the three dudes we're going to pick? All right, country music. You take that one. All right. 
You All got. Right. Uh, I'm going to do physical. I'm going to do the sacrifice. The human sacrifice. <laughs> I already know who the human All sacrifice right, is. Demonstrate in, incredible physical skill. I mean, what? Let, what's Matt's last? Uh, the cross. Rich Froning. R- Fro- yeah. Rich Froning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we got to get him on the show. By right. the way. That's I, I, I he think says incredible physical skill. That doesn't get him. That's what he, a CrossFit he's test the best is. Athlete. Right, so we got he's him best, down. So Rich, Rich. Froning is going to be our incredible physical specimen for for that, right? right. Because we don't want it. To, we don't want to. We don't want to use Usain Bolt or uh, Michael Jordan or so. We want a cross physical physicality. Right. If you right? can jam all them dudes into one. Yeah, yeah. I'd say Rich Froning. I mean, saying, the, the dude. He's super fast, but I don't know how he'd do on a deadlift. You know what I mean? All right. Country music. All right, so we got rich. Right. Oh, you think you're... Uh, oh, I already got the sacrifice. All right, send it out. I'm working on the, the country. That's a tough one. Well, it's... John, Johnny Cash? Oh, bro. But can, does he have to be alive, though? Oh, does or, he? Or are there aliens? Great point. Can they... We dig them out well, of the grain. Have... Dig them out of the grain. They got CDs. <laughs> can okay, we dig... Alive. It's got to be alive. So, Hank Williams Jr.? Yeah. Right? No. Do we go... Does Zach Brown fall in? Ooh, but see, Hank's old country and country rock, and he little and he, depressing. Remember, he, they're intergalactic uh, ambassadors. Senior Hank Williams Jr. Well, isn't he little depressing too? Well, so, well, <laughs> <laughs> my dog got that's run over. You know, that's that's country music. It's not uh, depressing. I, that's I, life. I listen. I correct yourself. <laughs> Beat yourself, Rutch. Beat yourself. Country boy can't survive. I, I, I and love then, it. And then Kid Rock always plays with him. Let, so does Zach. And I mean that the the list. All right, let's let's do Zach. Let's do Kid Rock or Zach Brown. Well, uh, uh, how about this? If we send Hank Williams Jr. the guys who play with him, and, and okay, there you go. They're, That's I like the right way there. you double down They're on teamed that. up. I like the way you double down That's on that. Roll, right? That's yeah. how. We, all there right. So the specimen that I got, all right, is is a guy that uh, I know that um, really is just a freak of nature, and he's like he's Captain Berserker. So my theory is that if we can't charm them with rich frowning and show them our physicality and what we're focused on from health and nutrition and how sophisticated we are there, and then we show, you know, we, we have a good old-fashioned hoedown, right? Is that mm-hmm. the proper term? Is that the proper term? Hoedown? Depends on where you're at. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'm just, I need help. I need yeah. the educator, No, no, keep right? going, yeah. Right? And then if all that goes to George shit. George Strait is a good one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If But if all goes to shit. We send this dude I know who's literally Mr. Berserker with them. And on the way back, he, he explodes the whole gal, you know, their, their civilization, you know? So Latin, no matter what, we win? I, well, if, I mean, he, a guy that might be, he's so far out there that. Who, who is it? Uh, we can't say his name on the air. It's a uh, dude from the teams that you uh, and I both know. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. We're talking about it all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that way, like, it'll be a great study for them, right? Because you never know. I mean, if you don't know him, you have no idea where you're standing with him. Ever. And Yeah, either in front of him or beside him. You're like, what's... Damn it. You know what I mean? And and, and, and if you do know him, he's so fascinating yeah. that you're like, wow, this is really interesting mm. and out there. And then if it all goes to hell and they, you know. You have to study him, all right. You know what I'm saying? Because he doesn't give you anything. Nothing. Nothing. Because you really don't know. But once you crack that egg open and you and you look in, man, you're looking at a banana. Sure. I just always assume, I mean, the assumption, 
right? It yeah. has to be that on a little bit. Yeah. Now, after we acknowledged the fact that we were friends, I just leave, left it at that and hoped that it was all good for the rest <laughs> of our lives. Because I don't change anything to uh, manipulate that friendship. <laughs> no, but, but I mean, that's a little, that's, I mean, that's a team guy mentality. I hope that's what the wizard was looking for. And he hope he wasn't thinking that I'd send Stephen Hawking or, you know, some nuclear physicist. Or- it was a broad, that's a broad question because it could have been humans to study it, like tear apart and, and torture. Or- well, that's why I'm saying if it, if, if it is, it is he that, take, yeah. he, he's, <laughs> He He's could capable. go. He could go berserker, and on right. that ship back, he could detonate. Uh, you know, <laughs> fly it back. <laughs> Figure out how to fly it up there. Fly totally, it back. Totally. After killing everybody right. on board. So, yeah, except for the women. <laughs> Let's just <laughs> we Anne can Hall team. <laughs> we, can team we can go down that team. We'll just handle Anne Hall. Right we were there. talking about the the the, what, the black code that yeah. it happens in the teams, but no one ever talks about it. Yeah, I mean yep. it's there. Yeah, you, you don't even think about it like that. But that's kind of one of those ones where you're like, eh, we're good. <laughs> so that's my answer. I hope Wizard. I hope you like it. I think I think we're on track. We're on point with that. What do you think? Yeah. All right. Well, that's awesome. All right. So the person that we come coming on now, big change in direction here, is somebody that I have just profound admiration for him. His, his writings and his books that he's produced so far have really transformed the way our community, the special operations community, the way uh, the regular military, the way law enforcement, the way first responders have all begun to consider and address. Yeah, I tell you what, after he gets done in our head, we could, we could be the, the human subject they want to study. <laughs> middle, uh, middle. Oh, and that's what I'm stoked for. This is going to be awesome, man. I'm, I'm telling gonna you. take everybody for a ride, a, oh. mi- a mental ride. Oh, we are going on a ride here in just a second. So if, if you're not familiar with Colonel Dave Grossman, please go check him out. He's got a wonderful website out there called, are you ready for this? www.killology.com. He is the world's leading authority on killing and on combat. The man has studied it, addressed it, looked at it inside, outside. In fact, he's one of the smartest human beings to really take a, an objective look. And plus, he's an army ranger. And we won't hold anything against him. We promise, Colonel. I know other, but I've never run across anybody in the field that he, that he captured. Well, and, and it stands alone in it, like like he. Oh does. no, he owns you know this field, and that's why. And the more time, I mean, every time he would come to talk to us, I mean, it was he could have been saying the same thing. What? Who was it? I can't remember. Still, the first time. It's the only time you will ever walk into an auditorium full of team guys all day long and hear a pin drop. Yeah, right. This is it. And it's butcher block paper for that. For all, all oh. what he's in our head and talking about our brains and uh, yeah. I mean, right? it's impressive. So, what do you say? Without further ado, let's welcome. Colonel Dave Grossman. All right, so we are here. We've been going for a bit, and I'm sorry that I didn't, I didn't press uh, play. I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> that, I didn't, I, that I didn't press record it early. Brought, brought as soon as he came up. Anything <laughs> coming out of his mouth is magical. I it's told you cold, to start. Especially with you. So I'm over here doing shorthand. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> All the listeners, that's a ding on me, Rot. I'll take I, the thing. And but, I, but, I'm not even going to lay this heavy one on you, brother. The best part, with, that was before you pushed. No, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I apologize, but ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, man, Marcus and I are so privileged because this man has played a, a personal uh, role in Marcus's life and in his 
overcoming adversity and learning that never quit. He's played a huge role. One of those pillars that I had to go through. A literal literal pillar. He's played a massive role in my life in terms of of sparking my desire to want to understand human psychology and really dig into the human condition and why we do choose to do things or choose not to. So without further ado, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, thank you so much for being on the show, sir. Oh, man, it's my great honor, guys. These are, you know, you guys are American heroes. But I I wanted to dive right in. And we talked earlier that, um, uh, you know, Marcus had come home from the, you know, the lone survivor incident. And, uh, and I was working with his doc and with him, we, we presented to his team before deployed. I presented to his team after they, after they deployed and they're ready to head out again to Ramadi. And Marcus's goal was to get back up on the horse, to get back out there. You know, and I, and I had the honor to talk to him at the time. And, and, you know, he talked about coming home 500 pounds PTSD. You know, I like to make an analogy to post-traumatic stress, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh Post-traumatic stress is like putting on weight. Uh, obese is post-traumatic stress disorder. Right. A lot of people have a few pounds. Not all that many are obese. A lot of people have some post-traumatic stress. Not all that many have post-traumatic stress disorder. But, you know, the, the Marcus's doc at the time uh, it said, you know, he, he came home 500 pounds PTSD. And now he's 100 pounds. And, and I was able to tell him, I said, and I, you know, I asked permission ahead of time to to discuss this, Marcus, great about it. But I said, I, I was able to tell him, look how far you've come in the last year. And knowing that next year, you'll be able to keep making progress. Sometimes the greatest love is not to sacrifice your life, but to live a life of sacrifice. And I think one of the greatest lessons is not some moment of valor, but Marcus getting back up on the horse, heading back out for another deployment, getting better, and, and, and I, I was in the car with two magnificent law enforcement officers last night, driving from Pennsylvania Airport to a, a presentation in Pennsylvania, an hour and a half drive. They're both combat veterans. They're both front, frontline law enforcement uh, officers now. And they both had some baggage. And they, they came home from the, uh, the war with baggage. Who doesn't? You know, they I, processed that. And they were able to say, look how far I've come so far. I know that I can go even further. And they come out the other end stronger. You know, I was with a, a, a major SWAT team a little while back, and during the break, they said, hey, Colonel, you says, I know that the doc psyched this guy off the team, and now he's back on the team. Can we trust him? Yes, you can trust him. He's stronger from the experience. That's what kills me. That's uh, what kills me the most right there is the, the falsehood of stigmatism that somehow working with a doctor, a trained professional, is going to inhibit your combat capability. I mean, that's it's crazy. Like working with, I mean, our BUDS instructors, every, every, every school we go to, I mean, that's not right. I mean, every school uh, we no, go to is trained stuff for anything. You might as well, I mean, our minds have been trained the whole way. If you, if you have an SF doctor in your head, uh, stand by. It, it, twice as good, right? Yeah. Whoa. That's what I told him. I said, he's got a piece of paper says he's saying, you got one of those? (laughs) No, they don't. Meanwhile, he's still, you know, hitting a half a bottle of crown every night to deal with his stuff that he isn't being forthwith and and making him a better operator because of dealing with it. We've got our new sheepdog kids book. Oh, I love it. And it's, it's, you know, the the front image, the image of an Iraqi boy hiding beside an American soldier. It's an actual photograph. Google uh, Boy hiding behind soldier, and they've come up in the, the front image of that little that little lamb hiding behind this sheepdog, and it's an it's an amazing photograph. But it's a children's book. It's now on Amazon.com, and 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 it's powerful. 
And it wraps up by saying, sometimes the greatest love, and, and I Googled this, nobody's ever said it quite the same way, sometimes the greatest love is, is not to sacrifice your life, but to live a life of sacrifice. Well, you know, how many, how many of us are parents or are heroes? Amen. What, what did our parents yeah. ever do? What, what, what great act of valor did our parents ever do? They got up every morning. They went to that job. They got that paycheck. They, they paid for us to have the home and the clothes and the things that we have. And, and that daily sacrifice of going to work uh, and to live that life of sacrifice is one of the greatest lessons that we have of all. Uh, you know, we can all talk about that moment or two when we, we needed for to hang sure. on. You know, courage, you know, they, the Gurkhas say courage is hanging on for one more second. You know? yeah, yeah, I love yeah, those yeah, guys. Yeah. One more second. You know, if I can just hang on for one more second. And we've had those moments. But really, the, 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 the most courage was rolling out of bed every day and going and doing that job and bringing that money home. And progress Progress is maybe, you know, being 100 pounds PTSD this year, there's some bumps on the road, but now I'm 50 pounds PTSD and I know I'm going to come out the other end stronger. But sometimes progress is just seeing your kids grow big and strong. Sometimes progress is money in their college fund or money in the bank to take that vacation. Sometimes progress is, is just getting up in the morning and, and taking care of your family every day. And that's one of the greatest achievements of all. Well, I, I take a step back and I look at Marcus and, you know, I've known him now, you know, I don't know, geez, 16 years now. Mm-hmm. And, and when I think about it, you know, I, I, I don't even, you know, I, yes, Red Wings is, 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 a, is, a, is a point in time. But the fact that you've you've developed and you've come, and do you know how many tens of thousands, if uh, literal live audiences that he's been able to influence with this experience and others, and now he doesn't even talk about it, which I love most about you right now, is now you've moved into a, a teacher's role that goes so far beyond one uh, one instant. Uh, and, and, and that's so healing. To move right? That, that's it's, what I'm saying. That is one of the healing transitions. You're not going to stay that warrior for life. We're all going to get old. But to be the, the, the wise old man, to be the sensei, to be the teacher is such a beautiful and powerful transition. Well, I, well done. When I, when, because you let me go, I, I finished out my term. So I, and then carrying that, I, don't look, I didn't look at it as weight. I looked at it as my, I was, you know, I was an independent operator, and that was my job. Right. So I retired 4th of July, that June 28th through 4th of July this year, and when I turned 40. And then now it's just like you said, because the whole sensei, the martial arts, my whole background. Now I'm, I've been through enough, and and, and I can I, I talk about it. And, mo- and a lot of the wisdom I gained was off of what you taught me to send it back uh, or, or to go back. Because I, we grind it down even further about the family, and it starts with my our the women in our family. My mother, I mean, she gets the credit for just giving me awesome. my life, and then all my accomplishments and all that that PTSD that was um it was a weight on me because I was healing up my body. As soon as my body got healed, I, it, it's just something. It was, then it became a lesson learned. Because yes. I, yes. I mean, that's what seals are machines. And once, and if guys who list, miss limbs, I mean, I'm mostly titanium. I, I consider myself a cyborg. You know, that's a great <laughs> thing for me because I always wanted to. That's how I looked at it. Like, we just, you were born this way. We just made you better. And uh, once I heal up physical, the middle part is like, oh, that's, yeah, that's how much I can take. And I, I never look back. Yeah, that's what's awesome about it. Well, well Colonel. You know, before I—I I, I mean, I—I I, I will literally camp out and 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 probe you, and he and I have a thousand questions. But but in the in the spirit of what the show is all about, um, it's all about bringing on amazing individuals like yourself to come on and share their greatest never quit story. So if you could, 
just give, give, because everybody knows you as this brilliant mind that spends so much time, uh, you know, helping all of us and helping people like in Sandy Hook and all over these places. But, you know, I think one of the cool things is, is to share some of you that for, for everybody else. So could you, could you share a great never quit story yours with our audience? Well, let me give you two. Awesome. And, and the first one's the kind we'd expect, you know, ranger school. Days without awesome. food, days without sleep. It was raining. Uh, we're, we're doing a night movement. And the rucksack on your back. I had the M60 machine gun slung over my shoulder at that time. Uh, uh, um, and, you know, just following the ranger eyes of the, of the, the guy in the front of you. Cat eyes. Totally God. exhausted. Ah. Totally wiped out. And, and we're climbing up this incredibly steep ravine. And, and I thought the only, only honorable way out is to be injured. And on the next one, I'm going to let go and fall. The next one, I'm going to let go and fall. No, no. The next, the next one. one. <laughs> I love it. One more. And then I'm going to let go of this next one. I'm going to fall in that ravine. I'm going to get hurt. And I don't have to do it anymore. And, and it was, it, for me, it was literally hanging on for one more second. It was wow, one of the darkest hours. That's how I hours. made it through hell <laughs> I've gone about three days without food, two days without sleep. It's hard for most people to grasp the depth. But it was kind of like from the, after that, Nothing else in life was really hard. Yeah. You know, I've heard people say, you know, they're, they're under fire in Vietnam and they look at their friend and they grin and say, well, at least we're not still in ranger school. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we're not still in buds, you know. Amen. We got a full meal in our tummy. We got a warm, dry place to sleep. Life is good. But I'll give you the other one. I turned 60 this month. I retired Happy birthday. Uh, Happy 19 birthday. years ago. I've been on the road. This is my 19th year on the road, almost 300 days a year. Now, we added up every year. It counts travel days, you know, 260, 270, 280 a year. Uh, I love my high school sweetheart, my bride at 41 years. We just had our 41st anniversary. Congratulations. For the last 19 years, I have been on the road, sometimes four or five, sometimes six cities a week. Wow. And, and, and it's my prayer. I hit 60 this month. It's my prayer I can do it for another 10 years just like this. I'm in good health. I got everything going. People want to hear what you have to say. But guys, we have very dark and desperate times in front of us right now. Huge. Uh, the homicide rate exploded last year. People don't understand. Medical technology has been holding down the murder rate. Uh, major UMass Harvard study, irrefutable data. If we had 1970s technology, the murder rate would be four times what it wow. is. People say, oh, the murder rate's down. But no, it's not down. The docs are saving. Oh, that's a great lives. point. Great point. But last year... The homicide rate was up 107% in Las Vegas, Clark County. Uh, now, the following data is straight out of the, out of the, out of the New York Times. In, uh, in uh, Milwaukee last year, the murder rate's up 76% in one year. St. Louis, 60%. Baltimore, 56%. Washington, D.C., 44%. Chicago, uh, take the number of dead people in Chicago, multiply by four, that's how many would have died with 1970s technology. Wow. Chicago had like a 22% increase in the homicide rate last year. They've already got almost as many homicides this year as all of last year put together. Uh, I was working with the Minneapolis-St. Paul police a month ago. They tell me St. Paul, Minnesota has already got more homicides than all of last year put together. An explosion of violence. The, 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 the uh, Washington Post tells us. In the, in the top 50 largest cities in America, last year, the murder rate's up 17% across the board. 
and this year is worse. We have never seen an explosion of Americans killing each other off like that since the American Civil War. Meanwhile, the number of cops murdered in the line of duty has doubled compared to last year. Uh, it is a war that has broken out. If you've been to my classes over the years, yep. you heard me say that Latin America models our future. That You know, <laughs> you know uh, El Salvador, probably the most violent nation on the planet, uh, Brazil, uh, Venezuela, Colombia, all have vastly higher homicide rates than we do. And, and what do they all have in common? Mexico, one of the most violent nations on the planet. What do they have in common? <laughs> Those gun laws our politicians say will make us safer. How'd that work for France, eh? How, how'd that all work last November? All those gun laws. Did it do those guys in France any good? None. But, but the is, I, I've been saying for years that, that Latin American model is our future. We've been building up to it for a long time. Uh, the, the director of the FBI said it's real. It's the Ferguson effect. We have empowered criminals. We have mishandled that incident at the national level. We have empowered criminals. We have cut the legs up from under our cops. We've been building up this for a very long time. The guys, things are bad internally. And then we got the lone jackal. Don't call them lone wolves. That's an insult to wolves. You know, the, right, that's right. the, the slimy little jackal, like the one in Orlando nightclub or the San Bernardino. They, they, they had just given that woman a, a baby shower. And then she and her husband comes into their to their holiday party and, and slaughter some by over a dozen. Now, that's the lone jackal. In May of last year, every military base in America went to force protection level Bravo and stayed there. We've never had that happen since 9-11. Right. Go to level Bravo and stay there. It costs a great amount of money. It modifies the daily behavior of every military base. You know why? Because the intel guys tell us more people are signing on with ISIS than we can keep track of. You and I watched ISIS cut somebody's head off, and we were enraged and sickened. Thousands of Americans watched those heads being cut off and said, I want a piece of this. How do I get to be one of the guys cutting heads off? Now, I want you to think about this. We fed them evil movies and evil TV shows and evil video. They see real evil, and they say, I want a piece of this. And the intel guys tell us that there are more people that sign on with ISIS than we keep track of. Now, that's just the internal threat. There's an external threat. They are going to hit again. The next 9-11, the, the thing I fear, uh, they're saving their Sunday punch. Uh, uh, in, in 2009 alone, we had 600 reported attacks in Afghanistan from schools to school children. Uh, uh, in December 16, 2014, look this enough, they wiped out a school in Pakistan. In Russia, they wiped out a school and it drove them to their knees. But what's the one thing they did not do in Mumbai? They did not do in Brazil, in, 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 uh, in, uh, in, in uh, uh, Paris or Brussels. What they did not do in London and Madrid was to hit the schools and hit the daycares. Exactly. I, I, believe, I believe with all my heart, I, I pray for our mom, they're saving the Sunday punch, and they're going to hit us, they're going to drive us to our knees. And if they're successful, not a parent in the nation will send the kid to daycare the next day. Not a parent in the nation will send their kid to school the next day. Wow. But it happened in Pakistan a year and a half ago. Yep. They wiped out the school in Pakistan. And, and here's the crazy part. Half the attackers were, quote, Arab terrorists. Yep. Now, this Peshawar, Pakistan, all the way across Pakistan, all the way across Iran, until you come to Iraq, the first Arab nation. What in the hell were a bunch of Arabs doing wiping out a school in Pakistan? Well, you make a very good argument. It's okay to do an address rehearsal. Uh, in in Beslan, that school in Russia wiped out, 2004. Yep. A big top for Arab terrorists. What in the hell 
were a bunch of Arabs who wouldn't wipe it out of school in Russia. And again, you make an argument, it's a dress rehearsal. They're saving their Sunday punch. Uh, they don't need to train people to fly airplanes. They don't need, and what if we knew it was coming? What if we knew they were going to hit 10 daycares, 10 school buses, at 10 elementary schools tomorrow morning? What would we do? Well, well, how do we get armed security in a half a million school buses? Texas can do it. Texas got a grant with a deer rifle sitting in every school bus in Texas. Uh, New York ain't got a prayer. But, but the point is, very dark and desperate times are upon us. There have been other hard times. I tell people, don't you dare give up on this nation. You think this is bad. Look at 1812 when they burned Washington to right. the ground. Look at the Civil War. We killed off by hundreds of thousands. Look at the living hell of the trenches of World War I. Or World War II, we fought for survival on two fronts. Look at the Cold War. Decade after decade. Korea, Vietnam, uh, thermal nuclear holocaust. I know right now. There have been other hard times. We made it through those hard times as Americans stood up and sacrificed. And it's our turn to sacrifice. And it's my prayer that I can keep doing this. I think 70, 75 is a pretty good time to start tapering back. Hmm. (laughs) I'm 60 years old this month. I'm going up as much as I have ever done. And I've got all the energy and all the health to keep doing it. This ain't hard. Warm, dry place to sleep every night. Nobody kicks me out of those planes at 1,200 feet in the middle of the night anymore. (laughs) You can't, you can't abuse this in a commercial airliner. I have no sympathy for somebody who whines about a commercial airliner or a nice hotel room, you know? Thanks. Life is good. And if my sacrifice is to see my wife one or two nights a week, condo visit, clean underwear, back on the road, that's not too much to ask. Wow. I got a son who's a, a U.S. Air Force combat controller with seven combat tours. Uh, invasion of Afghanistan right out of the pipeline. It's a combat control, chopped to an ODA every step of the way. Seven combat tours, and and and, and these, this is a new British generation coming home. These kids are strong. Yeah, amen. Talk to yourself. Anytime you think you got a bad over here, look at what the kids are doing over there. Ain't nothing over here hard. Suck it up and drive on one more day. Roll on that bed every day. Give it a hundred percent. That's the ultimate uh, never quit moment. Is to roll out of that bed every morning. To go out there and do that job set before you every day to the utmost of your ability. And to never quit until the lightning bolt strikes you down and you can no longer do it. That's the never quit morning every morning when you walk out that door and give it 100%. Well, well sir, that, that certainly is, uh, I mean, when you, it, it, you know, when people are thinking to themselves as, as they're in their hole and what can I do, you know, I think a lot of times it's, it's, what what can I do that 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 I I feel something for me right and and they don't yeah. they're not framing it in that place of servitude like you do like Marcus does like I do so what in your mind how do people how do people awaken to the reality of our current situation what it, what shift in thinking can help them you know begin to perceive what you're describing. As 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 real and it's it, it, and it's going to affect them. What what would you suggest to them? You know what? Uh, uh, a couple of things. Um, you know, uh, Eric Greitens uh, just got the Republican nomination in Missouri. He's a man I'm proud to call a friend. I've, I've co-presented with him before. I was rooting for him. I live across the across the border in the People's Republic of Illinois. <laughs> we've got 
Rick's got a Republican governor and shall issue concealed carry, so miracles still happen. You know? <laughs> and uh, uh, we, we live up there now. My son and I have a gunsmithing business, uh, sheepdogknifeandgun.com. Yeah. Uh, my son and I have got some really neat things happening. Here's our, here's our, here's our logo, you know, sheepdogknifeandgun.com. <laughs> I love it. And, uh, we're doing some fun stuff. That uh, Eric uh, is, wrote a book, and I thought it was a darn good book. I, I, I've got a blurb on the back of his book about the heart and the fist. Yep. Boxer. A humanitarian who 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 believed that that it, that the military had to get involved to change these places and protect the non governmental agencies went to a law school. Road scholar or uh, uh, road scholar boxer uh, went to Buds and was in Buds when nine eleven happened. Wrote a great book, but he talked about getting through Buds, and and he was in a leadership position throughout it. He said, "My darkest hour." Was when, and, and he talks about when he was all alone, uh, they, were, they were given a chance to crash, uh, as I recall, in a tent. And, and, and he didn't have any troops to worry about, didn't have anything to worry about except himself. And that was his darkest hour. That was the time when he was ready to quit. He was right. at his weakest. And, and his, the point was, when he was working for other people, when he had others to help, when he had responsibility to others, that was where his strength came from. And for me, uh, to get out there every day, to have an audience of cops in the front lines, you know, when I, I ask most of my cops, you know, uh, I, you know I, they, 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 I, I sell books. My book on combat uh, issued in the DA Academy, issued in the Marshals Academy, on combat. Uh, required uh, reading for Naval Special Warfare, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> required reading. Army and Air Force recommended reading. You know, and I sign books for them, and I, Ask them, you know, what do you do and how you like it? You would be amazed how many cops say, I love my job. I love it every day. And, and you'd be amazed. The vast majority stay there. And, and, uh, and, I, and I tell them, isn't that a neat thing to say? How many people go to work every day, take a bite of a dirt sandwich, make a living? Uh, and, and how many people can truly say they love what they do? But these cops do what they do. Nobody's in that job for the money. Not once, and, then, yeah. They're not doing that job for the money. Oh, right. what happens when the when it kicks off? Like with the same way with the military, when the guys who are already in. I mean, when we go to war, the guys who want who are real military go to war, and then so I mean, the cops are having a bad time right now, which that needs to be that that Dang. shouldn't even be up for. I mean, you shouldn't even be able to have a conversation about that. Well, I want to go even not even exist. I want right? to go back to this. I mean, now that you brought it up, man. I mean, this is a real deal, and we're seeing. Colonel, why, why are the killings up? All right. The director of the FBI laid the foundation. He said the Ferguson effect is real. He said that uh, essentially we've empowered criminals at the national level and we've cut the legs up from under our cops and our cops are backing off. And it's like, imagine you're in a fob and, uh, and you don't do any patrolling. You don't do anything but hunker down in the fob. You do the bare minimum that you can do on their forward, you know, forward operating base. And, and no aggressive patrolling. Don't take it to the bad guys. Don't keep the bad guys on the run. You're going to lose. You're going to die. Absolutely. And, and instead of doing a stop and frisk, instead of doing aggressive policing, the cops nationwide have pulled back. The homicide rate has doubled in our inner cities and, 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 uh, and up 17% across the board. When you focus on the inner cities, it's all happening in the inner cities. Homicide rate has exploded. The cops have backed off. You know, all, all we got to do to make them appreciate cops 
It's just back off and let all hell break loose. Oh, we said it too much. I was like, hey, man, you want to you make you anybody know, appreciate police officers? Pull them back. Pull them back. You know, this 20% increase in the homicide rate in Chicago, and they've, they've equaled that number already this year. It's all happening in the inner cities. It's come unglued. But what's happened is the American public are rallying behind our cops. Now, Wall Street Journal does an opinion poll every uh, December, last December, the opinion of law enforcement. This is before Dallas, before Baton Rouge. The opinion of law enforcement was up uh, 11%, 13% across the board. Every demographic group, every age group, it was up. And on average, across the board, the opinion of law enforcement up 13%. But recruiting is in the pits. Oh, we like you. We stand behind you. We support you, but we don't want to be you. We don't want to be you. We want to get hammered. Oh, sure. We don't want to get shot at now. Hey, it is a f- absolute fact from what I've seen traveling around and, and, and doing on the, on the lecture series is that most Americans don't like to deal with other people's crap, right? Yeah. They just don't. So the fact somebody wakes up in the morning and goes to be trained and, and then just and put on a uniform to go deal with other people's shit. Let you know that, that they're not a racist. I mean, you may find one in there, but overall, man, they're, you're talking about somebody who's good. And what kind of country do you live in when you can pick up the phone and somebody shows up to help you? Literally. To deal with your crap. <laughs> I mean, if you think for one second that you are the man and you can handle all your business, whatever you have to call somebody to help you to do, and that's around the house, anything, yep. lets you know just how unprepared you are. Amen. There's an angle on that, and that's important. The police response times have gone way down. Way all down. these homicides, all this violent crime, uh, the cops, they were, the Supreme Court has said the cops have no obligation to be there for you at your moment of truth. The, 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 right? The, right? The, the police chief of, of Detroit said, you're on your own. I can't promise my cops. Literally said it. He, he, he said that. He said, get a gun, train the police chief of Detroit. Detroit. He said, gun again, get a permit, train yourself because we won't be there. Don't count on us. Yes. <laughs> the cops are there. You know, you and I were deployed. I'm away from my family. I know my family pick up a phone and a cop will show up to fight. And if need be, die for my loved ones. What a, what an amazing thing. That cop will show up to well, fight. Also, that's what that started to be, right? I mean, if you look yeah. at the... At the, I mean, while we're all fighting the wars, those people who are good enough to, to step up and not only protect their families, but protect other people's... That's how that... Started. The homeland, yeah, right, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Protecting those who are, while we're out doing our, our business, because there's a select serve. Yeah, group of guys and women have to go over and fight the wars outside of it. And we, that's a different thing altogether because we depend on each other. And you when said you, something important. You know, we watch each other's back. Yeah. We watch each other's six. But what I tell people is if a best land happens here, if they wipe out a school in America or a bunch of schools simultaneously, uh, there is no elite military unit coming. Posse Comitatus is a military cannot the guard can but the military cannot get involved what that means is in time of war our police are the frontline troops amen yeah they are period they they are another branch of the armed forces they are homeland security they're now i mean because the war is inside enough and and how can you call it anything other than treason to disarm and attack the frontline troops in time of war how can you call it anything other than treason It, it is what what what's interesting to me to go back to you know, the framework of why this is happening, you know, when you look at us, right, and we go through our program, we go through buds or you go through ranger school, we're, we're conditioned to where we're successful in the most extreme environments imaginable. What I know you see day in and day out, the police academy is a good training program. It's not a great training program. 
You look at SWAT. There are good SWAT teams out there, but there are not great SWAT teams that are prepared for this elevated kind of carnage and violence. What and there's a, no else going to do it. And nobody else sure. is there. So, you know, and, and then I also, if you could, after you answer this part, dovetail into the component of violence and the desensitization of violence and your theory on that. But how do we prepare, how do we better prepare the frontline troops in, in the country, our officers, how do we get them into a higher level of preparedness for like a mindset that's reminiscent of ours? How, how does that happen in the current climate? You know, it, it, it's a constant uphill climb, but I'll give you an example on this. Funny, I was in a police station just today, and they had a volleyball trophy up there, you know, and it's just a rotating trophy, but there were no shooting trophies. And there was an old retired state trooper there with me, and, and I said, you know, uh, 30 years ago, there would have been shooting trophies. She said, I remember all those shooting trophies in the, in the state police barracks, in our, in our, in our, in our state police uh, uh, district bear, uh, you know, all the trophies. But w- w- what I understand, what, what I tell people in my classes is that uh, I had a cop tell me recently, he said, we just threw away a couple hundred of those old trophies. He said they went all their back, shooting trophies, all their back to the 1920s. Wow. And nobody wanted them. He said they sat in a closet for over 20 years. They're busted, junked up, been tossed in a pile, uh, uh, dirty, and nobody wanted them. We threw them away. And, wow. and, and, and here's the point. The kids who came home from World War I were running the show in the 20s and 30s. And right up to the 1970s, the World War II vets were still running the show. I remember the 1970s. The World War II vets were our sheriffs and our captains, our chiefs and our sergeants. And they honored the roly-poly little guy on the pistol team more than anyone else. You know, here's what they knew. If we're lucky, we'll all grow old. A lot of their friends weren't lucky. And we're probably put on some weight. <laughs> you know, have mercy. Have mercy. And your fellow sheepdog put on a little weight. <laughs> we'll grow old. And we may grow Billion body armor. And it's okay. As long as you're one hell of a shot. Right. They knew. So what I tell them, my team with my cops is piss on golf. Real <laughs> Yes. The golf course is a willful and deliberate misuse of a perfectly good rifle range. You know, <laughs> not impressed. Hit a little golf ball, Trinity Arts. Hit a golf ball from Trinity Arts. We're impressed. You know? yeah, exactly. And, and, and we mock the golfers mercilessly. Seek a hobby that reinforces your survival skills. And, and I give these two examples. Outside of Dallas in May of last year, they had the Draw Muhammad Art Festival. Now, they knew it would be controversial, and they knew it might draw bad guys. It was their right to do it. And sure enough, two art critics from Arizona showed up with AK-47s and body armor. Now, get this. They had the element of surprise. There were two of them. They had rifles that punched through the cops' body armor like any of them there. They had body armor. That means if a cop's got a pistol, he's got to be making headshots and pelvic shots. They rolled out of the vehicle. They wounded one person, and a traffic cop with a Glock killed them both. Game over, baby. Who, who would not want to shake that man's hand? Every day of the who week. Who would not want to buy that man a beer? No. And, always, and, and, and nobody's telling us who he is. I'm not telling us anything about it. All we have is one good crime scene photo. There's somebody shot. We got a big bloody spot where one bad guy died, a big bloody spot where the other one died, and a trail of ejected brass as he advanced on him and killed them both. Headshots, pelvic shots, game over. All right, now there's 
situation A. He, he's not some SWAT dog. He's not some elite warrior. He's a traffic cop, but he's a shooter. Now, situation B was the Pulse nightclub in Orlando. We know the cop on scene as a security guard got some shots in. Now, we don't know the circumstances. We can't judge him. But he had sufficient setup to take shots. Other cops responded, and they took shots. And we know none of them hit. And I asked my cops, which one do you want to be? Do you want to be the one that made the hit, that saved all those lives, a crime that never happened? Or do you want to be the one that spends the rest of your life hoping you can make that shot again? Go to the range. Hang up those golf clubs. Uh, airsoft. Uh, laser beam. Dry fires. Uh, paintball. Develop your shooting skills. I, 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 we'll grow old and we'll grow fat, but we will still be one hell of a shot. And, and, and that's what the World War II guys knew. That's what those shooting trophies were all about. They honored one skill above all others, and that was marksmanship. And we need to get back there. How come, how come guys like us, because right, we've had, what, you know, I don't know, two million people serve in Iraq and Afghanistan, last the longest wars in, in our U.S. history. We've got incredible guys, especially when special operations, we've done a lot of work, a lot of, how come we, how can we have a greater penetration to shift that attitude, to yeah. inspire those those frontline people to raise, right, Marcus? I mean, I know you run in, you run into these guys all the time who come to you to ask for advice. Right, and what I, I tell them is, is with the way social media is, TV, the movies, and how you know, actors, that everyone is teaching your kids something. As soon as they, as soon as you're, they take your eyes off of you, they're on something else. Right, and uh, I mean, who do you want your child to to learn how to shoot a weapon from? Something they see on TV or, or an instructor who teaches them the safety? Because that's how I had learned. I couldn't even touch a weapon until I was what 12, 13? <laughs> I, I kind of deal on the beep, the you know first you had a stick and then the nerd you know and all the red rider BB gun and all that stuff. So it was an evolutionary process. So by the time I was allowed to touch one, I knew what it was capable of and what what came behind it and in front of it. And then being in the in the military just kind of solidified that whole deal. But you, it's kind of one of the things where we had used to have PE. Do they have PE in school anymore? That was a big deal. You had to have PE. And then even you had to be in the Boy Scouts, so you had to learn about something. Perfect example. My granddad's like, hey, I don't like snakes, but I know how to deal with them because they're everywhere. And, you know, and, and they can do bad things if, right. if the wrong person has them or whatever. So know a little bit about everything, especially if it's, if it's deadly. Most people are scared of something they don't understand. If you understand what exactly that is, because a rifle, a pistol and all that is not the the weapon right the the weapons behind it the guy wielding yeah, it absolutely yes. well, uh, 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 colonel when, i mean you you have a book about this to talk about this our children are being taught about violence and killing and all this stuff in a way that's not indicative of the way marcus learned the way you learned the way i learned that's a part of this greater problem isn't it it's up to the parents. It's what he said, man. You got to go back all the way to the parents. Look, hey, I know other people are looking at that, but you're not. But however, when it's time for you and you're old enough, I will train you how to deal with that kind of stuff right now. But that they don't even want to deal with. Right. If they're just watching it on a video game and then they, they learn from that, who knows? I mean, that's them acting that out. They're, they're kind of teaching themselves in a video game world, really. It's, they're seeing it on the video game and then they're acting it out. So, What are you finding in your research, sir? Well, you know, uh, uh, remember... The worst school massacres have been in Europe. Right. Uh, you know, the, the, the all-time record massacre by a student in a school 
Erfurt, Germany, 17 dead. The Columbine killers killed 6.5 each. This kid killed 17 all by himself, but he was 19 years old. The all-time record juvenile mass murder in human history was in Winden, Germany in 2009. The kid killed 15 all by himself. So we got 15 dead in one school in Germany, 17 dead in another school in Germany. And what did all those European gun laws do for them? Didn't even slow them down. Right. You know, we got to understand this is a worldwide phenomenon. These mass murders by juveniles in the school have never happened in human history. We had two double homicides by a juvenile in the school in the 70s, one in Canada, one in America. In the 80s, we had two double homicides by a juvenile in the school, one in Finland, one in America. In the 1990s, it exploded. But the point is that the Europeans had done the research, and every one of them has one thing in common. Now, Dr. Jim McGee did the research on 19 school killers in America. Some of them were solo homicides, but every one of them was at least committed a homicide, a juvenile homicide in the school in America, 19. They all had one thing in common. No, they weren't all on Ritalin. No, they weren't all on Prozac. <laughs> it's an urban myth. The one thing they all had in common was they dropped out of life. The European study, Jim McGee's study, FBI consultant, they dropped out of life and they immersed themselves in the sickest movies and the sickest video games. And every year, the shows get sicker, the movies get sicker, the video games get sicker, and the kids get sicker, and it's not going away Wow! until we stop feeding sick stuff to our kids. Now, here's the point of it. Uh, in, uh, gang membership in America has exploded. We had a, we had a, a report, a report told us in 2009, we had one million true blue criminal gang members in America. Biannual report, 2011, 1.4 million gang members in America. 2013, you know? I don't know either, because the report went away. Poof, that report went away. Wow. But I don't think it's wrong to estimate close to 2 million true blue full-time gang members in America today. Now, here's the thing. When I was a kid, I sincerely wanted to be Marshall Dillon, Gunsmoke. <laughs> yeah, I love Marshall Dillon. And, and, oh, but, but the point is, today there's a generation that wants to be Breaking Bad, Sons of Anarchy, uh, and the gang mode at the end of Grand Theft Auto. There's a whole generation that thinks one of the great achievements in life is to be the Sopranos. So, so my generation wanted to be Sergeant Friday, Marshall Dillon, Ponce and John on Chips, and one Adam 12. Hey, let your kids watch those shows. But it's child abuse to let them grow up on, on Breaking Bad, Sons of Anarchy, Sopranos, and whatever sick show and sick video games out there today. These things have convinced a generation of inner city kids the greatest achievement of life is to grow up and be the Sopranos. We could not have done a better job of recruiting a generation of cop-hating gangbangers if we'd have tried. Well, is it a sense that this is the only place for these kids to to elevate to a level of respect that that's the easiest route without having to work hard, without having to be educated, without having to join the military. This is a, is it's the fastest route to a sense of respect from your peers. Is that what it is? Is what, is that what drives it? All sport, everything in the schools has kind of gotten pigeonholed into what makes you the most money and the biggest celebrity. It's a social media deal, right? That's, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's the evolution of but it. Is gangbanger celebrity though? Yeah. Online. And that's where the cop haters feed on each other. The cop haters are, are a smaller minority, but they're even greater reinforced. And social media, every goofball theory, every psycho-sicko theory you can imagine, you throw it out there and you find a couple other goofballs who agree 
and suddenly you've got this consensus that the that the wacko would never have had before. Right. They get, I mean, they have access to each other and not having to be in this. First of all, not having to have to find each other. Right. I mean, that's that. I mean, it used to be you'd have social skills and have to go out and sit at a bar or even think they're in the town. There, you know how you, how it works. Now, you pull it up, look it up, and then just reach out, and that's it. It's right there. You enter. They're and, interwoven, and, and they're they feel so safe because they're in their house. I mean, you can be a badass in your house, and then you get so brainwashed because you never go out of there. They literally train you mentally, and you're probably. I mean, if you how you look at these guys, their physical abilities aren't that. I mean, they're not well, no, like we were, right? No, no, not at all. So it's that, it's that mental thing staring into that TV. And imagine if, if he was just sitting there on the side over there just talking in our heads the whole time. True. I mean, he, he, he does that for the good of the country. And look at what we're capable of. You get some of them guys who have the capability he has, then... Well, the opposite side well, of the, well, the, spectrum, side the negativity. Of it, how are you not going to get sucked into Because that's all these... I mean, all those after-school programs, Boy Scouts, they got eliminated because it, you can't be a celebrity in that kind of deal. I mean, that, that's not the only reason, but I think that leads to a little bit. And we, we, need our, we find our identities with each other. When you're young boys, you're growing up trying to be in, that, in a pack. It's a pack environment. I still run around with the same guys I grew up with. And if the safest place you feel is where those guys are hanging out, man, you're going in. I'd have done it. I went straight into that gang. And, I mean, if those are my buddies, I mean, what about right? Well, we, we joined a gang. I mean, we, Make we, no mistake about it. We did. We did. I mean, you joined a gang. Here's my gang sign. Yeah, throw it all the time, yeah, man. Yeah. Got colors and everything. <laughs> And, and so but my my it's terribly important. The gangs have always been there. The source of gangs is social prestige and social mobility have always been there. The new ingredient is it's so much easier to sit and play a video game than to go to Boy Scouts. And all, all of the after school activities are just dying because they want to go home, they want to play the video game, want to watch the shows. You know, I, I tell people. This is the new factor in obesity. There's no doubt about it. The explosion of obesity is because they're sitting on the chubby little tails. The average kid in America spends 50 to 60 hours a week. The average kid spends 50 to 60 hours a week in front of TV, movie, and video games. And of course it makes them fat. And, and, and they sit on the chubby little tails. And, and it's, the only thing that's left is the gangs. And the gangs have always been there. But the gangs have been sucked down the path of violence. You know, if you were a gangbanger, what was your model? I know the Three Stooges, you know, uh, what was your gang model? Maybe, maybe Cagney, you know, you and Dirty Rats, you know. But now they've got this gang model that's in front of them constantly, a hyper-violent model. And the video game, Grand Theft Auto V, is the all-time record best-selling video game in history. The year Grand Theft Auto V came out, it made more money than the global music industry. One video game. Made more money than every rock concert wow. on the planet. Every musician, every CD, every download on the planet. And it's a cop-killing murder simulator. And look at them, folks. The Avengers are fighting each other. Batman and Superman are fighting each other. There are no good guys. That's Hollywood's message. There are no good guys. Our heroes are all dark anti-heroes. Can we have play all heroes no more? Uh, you know, even the Avengers and Batman and Superman and the legs cut off from under fighting each other. The message from Hollywood... It's a sick, perverted, left-wing message that there are no heroes. And, and who is Hollywood backing in the elections? Who is his sickos in Hollywood? Who did all that video game money go through in the elections? It's just pouring into the left-wingers in this election. 
because they know what side of their bread is buttered. They know who is not going to shut them down. They know who is not going to speak out against what's happening out there. Uh, it, it's, it's pathological. It's going to be bad. There, there's not going to be a revolution. There's going to be an ass kicking and a house cleaning. Eventually, coming down the road, uh, in, in very, very dark times in front of us, there's, there's parts of our nation that have spun so far down the socialist path uh, that they can no longer come back out. That they're stuck in the dark hole of socialism. Uh, they can no longer come out without without significant significant acts happening. But have faith in our nation. Have faith in our way of life. Uh, do not ever give up on this nation. You know, we swore a pledge of allegiance every day to the United States of America. And never let go of that pledge. This is our oldest and deepest oath. And never let go of it. Amen. And have faith in our nation. Fight for that nation. Get up every day. Do the job set before you. That's the oath that never quit. Is never quit for a lifetime. To do that job. To bring the food home to your family. To be a good father. To be a good mother. To, to, to put up with some of the things in life so that you can continue to be there as an intact family for your children. To, 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 to suffer and sacrifice, not in an act of valor, but in a daily act of putting food on the table and caring for your loved ones. That's the ultimate America. That's the ultimate, the, the ultimate suffering. And, and when, the, when the takers are greater than the makers, then as a nation, there needs to be a sorting out. When the people who don't work for their money, the people who don't have to go work for it, when they're greater than the ones who do, and when they can outvote the ones who do work for their money, then something bad is happening. The, the takers are greater than the makers. Have faith in our nation. Have faith will sort this thing out. Uh, there really is hope for our nation and our future. Never give up. Well, sir, I think we're going to end this segment right there on that note because, man, we, that's powerful. And, and, and I just want to thank you so much, uh, you know, for, for you coming on and being honest like that. I think one of the things that, you know, the nation does need is, is some honesty, some tough, some tough love, if you will, to realize, hey, you know, we, we do have to make a sacrifice every day in our own unique way. And it, and it, and it might be going to war. It might be being on a road away from your loved one. Uh, it might be, you know, you know, trying to, to instill that love in other people in, in my own unique way. But what it is, is we all have that responsibility. So I just, you know, thank you for helping our guests realize that that's what's required. So I just uh, thank, thank you so you, much. Jeff. Welcome home, gentlemen. Thank yes, you for your continued service. The mission continues. Hoorah. Hoorah. God bless you. Thank sir. you, sir. I mean, seriously, that dude, 300 days a year, that cat is out so there. So what, I carry in my phone in a recording? Yeah. <laughs> seriously. Like, cut cut pieces out? Uh, check. Yeah, as a, the perpetual reminder. Right. right? You know how I learned that. And they're like, all right, all right. <laughs> I mean. Well, what, what was it like, I mean, when you first met the guy? I mean, was he that focused even back then? Yeah, I met him just like we all did. Right. I was in the Coliseum. Right. Then when I came back, part of my, my debrief to get back online was through that. Yeah. And, and he said just, I mean, it was kind of one of those when he was smiling when I sat down. He's like, good to see you again. He goes, I was like, I'd like to go back over with him. Okay. No, I mean, we pulled over the side. He talked to me and then I you know, check in with him. But it was the best thing that ever. Yeah. I, mean, I needed he, that. He's powerful. He's powerful. Just frame it in a reference point for us. That makes sense. Right. right? I mean, if it's. 
we're trained in every other aspect of it. So, I mean, he's been, he's the one that trained us for on killing on combat. All yep. I needed was a retune, went back in it and it's good to go. Good then to when go. I got out, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's easy day. Well, think about his mission now and the magnitude. I mean, he's got to train, uh, you know, a whole generation of people that are so ill prepared for what's coming down. Well, the he, park. Yeah. He goes through That's the beautiful thing about it is he can reach through the generational gap. Cause that the, all, on killing on combat is the same. No matter what. Right. I mean, the kids yeah. are evolving, and that, that part's different and desensitized. And I, the great part, when we were talking about that conversation of uh, the kids playing the video games, well, the mental aspect on, on killing and on combat is the same as the physical. We train in both, right? Right. Seals, the one thing that we have going for us so far is that these kids that are, are those are those guys who are training themselves mentally on those they just sit there and get fat as shit and they, they can't they can't go out and fight and run you know what I mean <laughs> so Wait, well the airsofters are starting right, to do no, right. but it's luckily a, the airsofters are still wanting to look and fight, dress but, yeah, like yeah, us yeah, yeah, right. and, and yeah. take to the, you know there yeah. is an enemy and yeah. that when he was talking about uh, the family I think you know I think that's the most important thing in, in the pledge of allegiance. I remember when I was saying the Pledge of Allegiance when he was talking about that. I was literally Pledge of Allegiance to the to the God of the country. I mean, that was like, it, it all blended together. Yeah. And the founders put God and country because even if you don't believe in God, you believe in your countrymen who believe in God. That yeah. kind of it's a centered thing. And then yeah. once you pull that out, and the perfect example is when all these these uh, shooters are jumping off, everyone's yeah. running in the opposite direction. If you, if you truly care about each other and love each other, you, you'd run to it. To at the shooter, right? Yeah. No, just yelling at him. Yeah. No. I, I mean, anybody listening out there, them guys coming in there aren't trained like SEALs, Rangers, Green Beret, all that stuff like that, man. They're scared. And as soon as they establish that dominance, just like a video game. Yep, that's I it. Gotta, turn around and scream at them to see what happens. Just, well, do well, something. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, man. That Just having him on is such a blessing. I, I, I just feel. So I hope as a listener, you, you're you hearing. And, I, and you know, and I know the, the, the quality was a little choppy, and I apologize about that, but that's the world of tech. He was calling in for, through Skype from his uh, uh, whatever, but you could hear it, and you got the gist. There's only a couple bad parts, but you got the gist of what that man was saying, and the reality is it's it's up to you to sacrifice in order to m- perpetuate this beautiful thing called America, yeah. and it's a sacrifice. In dark, We are in dark days, and you might be in your own personal dark days, but if as long as you put it out there for someone else, right? As long as I think about Marcus here and serve him on the other side of this table on the microphone so we can serve you, that's going to make me better. Sure. I mean, the great thing about what we're trying to do here is think about it like this. So we're in the SEAL teams. We're trained a certain way. And then for our medical capacity, we bring him in to train us. So whatever it is you're doing out there for a living in business or sports or anything like that, you're trained to the best your ability and uh, physically, and then let that dude get in your head uh, from what he said over the podcast and in his books to train you like an SF fighter. Absolutely. Then, so, you, then go. And, and that's a great point. And, and we, you know, Marcus and I both highly recommend his books on killing, his book on combat. Read his book about the violence in our children. All right. The guy is not just a, 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 a hardcore, you know, hard charge and kill him ranger at all. The guy is a brilliant man who is doing lots of good around the world. Uh, for people in preparedness for for this mindset of of where we're going, but also I want you to take heed to his true word of listen, have faith, right? Truly believe that the country is great, the concept of the country is great. You're great, but you need to contribute. You need to sacrifice. 
So I, I hope you've enjoyed it. This was one of my favorite episodes by far. You can find it at teamneverquit.com forward slash podcast, along with all of our other shows that are out there. So if this is your first show, go there, find the rest of them, or you can go on your iTunes app on your phone and subscribe to us and have us on demand morning, noon, or night, 24-7, so you can hear not only this this podcast, but so many others uh, that we do that will enhance your ability to never quit. So at that, I want to say give thanks. I want to give thanks to the Lord and, and Christ, and I want to thank America, because it's America that gave me everything that I have. America has given me the ability to to serve my country at the highest level in the CERT SEAL teams. It's given me the ability to have a, a, a free life, to raise my family and children in, a, in, the mo- in the most incredible place there is. I want to thank America for everything that you've given me and what you're giving me right now in this platform to share these stories and this the, 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 the greatness within the Never Quit Mindset to all the people out there. So thank you. And I want to give thanks to the good Lord for making me common. And, and having me struggle through all that stuff to where we're sitting here today and had a chance to talk to that man. Amen. Right? I mean, that was cool. I, I always, he always teaches me so much. Yeah. <laughs> right when you, when the student becomes the teacher, you always think that, that one day that's going to happen. Yeah. And it's funny because all those guys like that who, who got me back to where I'm at, they're, they're always the teachers. Always. Always. And they're, they're a day older than you. They're teaching <laughs> some, man. So, thanks, Colonel, for coming on and... and uh, hanging out with us and thanks to all y'all for letting us uh, for listening and letting us do this y'all take care I'm out I'm out Never quit. Team Never Quit. Team Never Quit Radio.